1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast and happy reading. You're listening to the
2: Hockey Podcast Network new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcast from i
1: thought i was strong i was wrong Hello. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, let's get right into it. Episode 137B, A Tales with TR. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. Today we have a good friend, my guest, played pro hockey for half a dozen years after a successful successful college career at University of Maine, which culminated with a national championship in the late 1990s. His pro stops included Grand Rapids, Mobile, Jackson, Idaho, and Fort Wayne, and he was with me when I knocked my teeth out with a sledgehammer. After hockey, he used his degree to tackle many business adventures and now lives in Dallas with his beautiful young family and is still connected to the game as he's director of player personnel for the Salmon Arm Silverbacks of the BCHL. He is a fine looking forward, a dynamite dad, an adventurous athlete, a fantastic friend. He's got a strong back and was born in Fort Mac. How do you do? He played junior there, too. The kid could play and made NCAA. He went on to train at the University of Maine. His offensive style led to pro for a while. He was the chief when I knocked out my teeth. Folks, Jake Muzzin can't play. They say he's still too hurt. And please welcome my pal. It's Bobby Stewart. Bobby, how the hell are you doing? awesome buddy you just you're like a fine wine you keep getting better with the age, age oh wow you know what it, no one's ever said that to me but uh i'll take it as a compliment and you too how the hell are you doing me i'm
2: i'm i'm good man i'm good i miss the game just like you do but uh you know we try to intersect our ways into uh yeah stories and and i love what you're doing man you know you're one guy i like to see do well so good for you
1: we, we can go all over the map with this one. First of all, first of all, a few years ago, and people, my listeners, a lot of them know that I went and did some stand-up in Toronto for a summer. I went to, to, you know, that sounds like a barrel of laughs, but I was kind of, I had no real options. I had to go up there for work. It was a lonely time. I was, I was going through a divorce, and I didn't really want to leave Penny Lane. Well, I didn't want to at all, but uh, you made it. You made the transition great for me, and uh, not only were you there. Every time I say Bobby Stewart, the sledgehammer story comes up, but you really did. You were moving out of a place in Toronto, and uh, you know you let me stay there for a couple of months. I never would have been able to afford it at the time, and I got my feet uh, under me because of that, so thank you very much.
2: Well, buddy, I didn't leave you much furniture, so I, I would say probably... <laughs> I didn't probably help with your mental state, but at least I gave you a place to stay, right? So. Yeah,
1: exactly. You, you gave me warmth. My God, the, the hotel rooms in Toronto now are insane, as you know, they always were, but now it's just, it, it's silly. I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Um, now, you were going through a move at the time. You moved to a different part of Toronto and then moved to Frisco, which is a suburb of Dallas, Correct.
2: Correct. Um I'm, I'm we're bouncing back and forth from Niagara Falls to Frisco right now until just uh finishing up all our paperwork. But uh
1: doing what? What do you what did you get into?
2: I just I just decided uh all my business was entirely, you know, 95% of it was done in the US. And so I thought just with what I had to go through with testing and the COVID tests, um it was it was about 20 different times i had to go do a COVID test and i just said you know well, what?
1: traveling in general would
2: traveling been- in general was just a pain oh, and, and way a lot longer because then i would have to test three days before or you know so yeah,
1: i was away from my
2: kids too much and uh look at uh, for guys like me and you it's it's we're not invisible to the U.S. We understand it. We played. We lived there. Mm-hmm. Went to school there. Played pro hockey there. So I understood where uh, I wanted to be, um, and you know, it brought me back to the U.S. Where you know I'm I'm closer to the venues and the establishment that I'm dealing with every day anyway. So it's just been a transition that our family is willing to make. Our buddy
1: Jeremy is down that way. Do you see him?
2: Yeah, I saw Yabo three times during the Christmas break. They came over uh, wow. for Boxing Day, uh, Christmas Eve, because uh, a, a similar guy, David Cullen, is transitioning his family too. So he's back and forth from St. Catharines. So Dave played in the NHL, American League, Europe, uh, etc. There's a lot of there's a lot of Canadians out this way. Like you know, Bart Hall's out this way.
1: Is Bart Hull, for those that don't know, so Bart is Brett's brother, and he, he owned a couple of bars in Boise when we were there, because he played yeah. for the Boise State Broncos football team, and right. this guy seems everywhere, so he's down Dallas way now?
2: Yeah, I think he's been here for years, I, I didn't know he was, uh, my kid was uh, playing, and I didn't see him at the rink, but I guess he was there, and then uh, Yabo and guys see him here and there, right, so he's out. he's out near the Dallas area for sure.
1: So Stewie, I'm gonna go back. Now you're you're from Fort Mac, right? Born and raised. I mean, I know you played junior there. I know you grew up there, but it, was there anything else or was that your Yeah, title? I went
2: to I went to Notre Dame for four years. That's okay. where I had Millsy and those guys. So I left at grade nine and went there to grade 12 and then back. Okay. To play.
1: And then you went back. So when you played for Fort McMurray Oil Barons, which is the junior team, they're very, very successful with a lot of tradition. So you were coming back from Notre Dame? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. You played those. Now I didn't know something until right now. I don't know; it's never come up. I did not know that you plugged in a year at University of, of Anchorage. Is it? Uh, yeah, or Alaska. Yeah. How, what happened there?
2: Well, again, our our boy, our familiar friend, Jeremy Millamuck, uh, Yeah, I, I had one visit left. You were only allowed five visits back then. I'm pretty sure it's the same. And I so, looked;
1: you ripped it up with with Fort McMurray. Yeah,
2: uh, the problem was back then in my 18 year old year, I finished third in scoring behind two 20 year olds. Uh, I I had to get a couple of classes up just to hit some of the qualifications you need to get into division one. And I repeated my 19 year old year. And then again, at the start of that year, everybody kind of knows now you're available to go to division one. So I was getting letters back then. It wasn't as much face to face or zoom or it was mostly letters. And then you went on your five visits and I, I saved my last visit for Anchorage. Millsy said, listen, we just entered the WCHA. It's our first year. Uh, they were third or fourth in the conference for the first year. It was almost like an expansion team now, you know, yeah. third of eight or nine teams. They packed that arena, Sullivan Arena, which you've been in. Yeah. The great rink. They packed it every night back then this. Must season. have been a good vibe. Yeah, cuz they didn't have they had the senior team a little bit, but it wasn't the West Coast Hockey League, didn't have the ECHL team, So there was less teams. Yeah. So they were the primary focus for the city. Um so I went there on a visit and it was just blown away. They 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 beat and swept Minnesota Duluth that had Derek Plant and um Chris Marinucci won the Hobie Baker. And they, I was like, ah, so the next day after a couple of beers that night, the guys took me out, showed me around, uh, brought me to do an NLI. The normal, the normal thing is you go back home, you process it. And then now you take, you know, all your NLI national letter of intent opportunities, and and you, you look them over, talk to your parents and sign. They drove me to the coach's office the next day and said, let's just do this. And I think I, Virtually, just got it. It was in the moment. I was at a high. I was excited. I had some familiarity with some of the guys. I knew. Listen, I could play right away there. And you know, before I knew it, when I landed there, I realized uh, maybe this isn't the the best culture. A lot of great hockey players, but just an old state of coaching, which I'm sure you've seen in all your years of playing pro. You land one coach, and you're like, oh man, this guy is not yeah. going to get us through uh, to the next level, or myself. So
1: And he's driving the bus and you're a passenger, yeah. so you better have yeah. a good relationship.
2: Right. So, yeah, I, I decided to go back and then make
1: my way to Maine. The year after. I didn't even realize you could do that. So did you know leaving Anchorage? I mean, I guess you can go to two universities. I just didn't realize that you could make such a seamless transition. Did you have to get letters? Did you have to get permission? Oh, why yeah. yeah. Maine? Well,
2: you know, I had narrowed it down and they had kept in contact and followed through because, you know, it was one of the schools that was interested in me the year before. They were just so packed. I was a little bit worried, you know, do I go to a packed school or do I go to somewhere and be a big fish in a smaller pond? And sometimes that mentality doesn't always work out in its best interest for yourself, right? Because if you like to win, it's it's better for guys that are like, hey, look, it, I don't care if I win. I just want to put up some points and it's about me. I didn't. I've always had a hard time losing games. So
1: that's yeah, always I come know. first to me. So, and Maine has a winning tradition. I don't, I, they're just one of those teams, that, especially in the 90s. It reminded me of Kamloops in junior. They just always seem to put out the team that even, the, yeah, that would win. Um, and, and, you know, if they're not winning, then challenge to win. Uh, and it seems Maine bookended the 90s with wins. So, your, the year you guys won it was what, 99? 99. And yeah. where was the Frozen Four and all that?
2: The Frozen Four was in Anaheim at that time, which was a great place to have a Frozen Four. Jesus, must we're, have are we're, we're locked out because usually every year they have it in uh, – they have it in a host city that's familiar with college hockey or has a college hockey staple, yeah. Boston or Columbus, Ohio, which has Ohio State or Michigan, Ann Arbor, right? So for us to have it in Anaheim and then we played – uh we had two of our nemesis unh which is university of new hampshire and boston college were there in the final four with us wow yeah so it was you know we finished all one two and three in our conference we went to unh our last weekend got swept where we only needed one point to win the league then you went into the playoffs we lost to bc so here we are looking at the same two faces that kind of beat us out uh, of of those standings before, and then ended up in the final four with them. So it was great,
1: impressive. So and the, so the semifinal. Who did you play, and how'd that go? So we played Boston College in the semifinal uh it was a tight game both teams really what was your record on the year you would have had to play them a few times
2: yeah I think we would have been up on both because we had better records in both of them I just we happened to lose to both of near the end of the season Uh, we had a a unfortunate situation with our uh, Richard Britt which was our trainer he had been there four years with me his car was parked on a incline and it was like an ice storm and and when he went he put it in neutral rather than park it started sliding down and sometimes uh, guys don't, you know, they react rather than just say, hey, let the car just roll down and hit the garage. He tried to go underneath it and probably wedge to stop it from hitting the garage and, you know, ended up, um, he ended up, you know, getting pretty hurt and passed away, right? So My we God. went into our last weekends playing UNH and BC under this within a, you know, hairline few days away from this event. And so I don't think we were mentally there, but had better records in both those teams, but again, they were they were they were great players. You had Jason Krog, uh, Darren Hadar, uh Mike Souza were kind of the lead forwards on UNH with Ty Conklin and Nett. Yeah. And then you had on Boston College, you had Gianta Reisner, uh Mato, um, and they had uh, you know, a lot of good players on the
1: on the BC team as well. And you guys had uh, a lot of guys who had very, very good pro careers. So the final, you get into the final. Yep. It's in Anaheim. It's in Anaheim. You're playing against who in the final?
2: We're playing University of New Hampshire. Or so who'd I, I beat. I, I was. We beat Boston College two one in semifinal. I was lucky enough to score the overtime winner of that game. I
1: remember, fuck, I knew that I was. And, so you and scored that goal two to yeah. one, and God, yeah, you eat, eat your way in. Yeah. And New Hampshire, how was their ride? That was good. Uh, you know, we did. they, we did they have out. an equally entertaining semi?
2: Yeah, it was. It was one of the best college hockey finals. I really mean it. I'll still watch it now because it was exciting. We were up two nothing, and then made a. You know, we ended up making it three nothing. But it was one of those old rules. Remember, uh, if you just touch the crease your skate as the yeah. puck went in, the guy shot it and the guy just circled away as he was celebrating and his foot just barely touched the crease. So yeah. <laughs> dumb rule, but so they called it back. So it ended up to nothing. And then they tied it up in the third two, two. Uh, we went into, into the final. I think the benefit is we played a hard Boston college the night before in the, in the overtime. So we were loose. I think we just played more loose in the overtime and we had a lot more grade A chances. And we ended up just capitalizing on a on a rebound goal, but it was a tight game. It could have went either way. What do you do with the ring? I, I've I've kept all my championship rings. Like I'm sure yeah, just all in uh same. I didn't I never wear them, right? So uh, you know, I was I just keep it in its little case still.
1: Wow, I uh I've got a few and I wear them all the time. I, I just uh I it was so hard for me. They're just it's not just that win i I find it after all it, you know it it represent i got what do I have a couple from ball hockey from I got three or four from ball hockey world championships. I got one from Orlando. I went down and yeah, uh, played in orlando and in, in o, the year after Boise
2: the year after Boise
1: the year yeah. after Boise. I knew I was done those two in Boise, you know you remember I had that high ankle sprain. it never really went away to the like i I never ever felt it improve and get stronger. I, I, I knew at the end of that year, I'm like, I only played 30 games and I knew it. I couldn't play the playoffs. Yeah, I'm like, I'm done. I knew it. I, I shot it with cortisone is really the only reason. And I went to o- Orlando knowing that I only had that many games. And it, and it, and
2: it hurt us in the playoffs because we would have won that championship if we had... You know, you healthy and plain, Chevalier healthy and plain. Yeah, man. So we me. we walked that league, but they give Fresno credit. They added some good pieces at the end, uh, character
1: guys from Europe. You could add guys from Europe back then, right? So you could. So though for those that don't know, it was the West Coast League and it was awesome setup. It's all now the East Coast League, all the teams I'm yeah. mentioning. Idaho and Anchorage and San Diego along they,
2: they all got consolidated, right?
1: Right. It's a, they 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 basically the e, that's why it's the ECHL now. It's not actually the East Coast Hockey League. The ECHL right. swallowed up all those teams. If you were there in in each city watching, I don't know if you would have known a difference. It stayed the Idaho Steelheads. Um, you know, same level. Um, I liked it because we flew everywhere and we had a little bit more money going around in that league than the East Coast League at the time. I call it a hybrid between, um, you know, when the IHL yeah. kind
2: of overlapped in the American League. Yeah. Not that it had the same pay or standards of the IHL, but it had a lot of similarities from great cities to travel. And then also a lot of guys that were like, hey, I have a family now. I don't want to go to Europe. I could still be in a good city, make some good pay and play great brand of hockey because there's a lot of guys who are ex top in NHL draft picks, great IHL and American Hockey League players. And, and I don't think really anybody got there, like even guys like Derek Paget and, and guys who are great, great role players who played years after said, holy shit, that 2001-2002 season with the amount of talent. And you look at your old Colorado, Zach Boyer and those guys. Yeah. Ardenga, well, and then Spoltor and you know Mark well you know we had we had so many good players in that league that were you know foundation of American Hockey League players and look well, at you shouldn't have been in Boise to begin with, but you were there um you know everybody's got a story like Kevin Smith if you would have applied himself didn't lose yeah. an eye. like there's a lot Jeff Chevalier if he just had, had part- like
1: 20 something <laughs> points in in, in la, 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 I, LA right? couple years up, before we really were in for minor leaguers yourself like cal ingraham we had the best of the best you know yeah. for minor league players uh i look back one other thing that i find interesting at the time i didn't really i realized it but i didn't think about it because i was going there also for a situation if i didn't get hurt i mean i was also wanted a situation where i'd play a lot and in my mind i was getting back up Back up to Dallas the NHL. Yeah, and yeah. it was a perfect for that, especially with all the talent around me and stuff. But a lot of guys would get... Look, it was the West Coast League. It's defunct, so I don't mind. I don't think I'm selling anybody out. They don't do it anymore like that. But a lot of guys I played with, say, in Colorado Springs and then in Boise got X amount of dollars to put down like a down payment on a house. And then people don't realize if you're in the American Hockey League or the I at the time, they're not paying for your room and board. Right? You get a good right. salary, but they're not paying for your room and board. But in that league, they would pay for your rent... They'd give you so much money towards wherever you were staying. So once you had the down payment on your place, if that was your quote unquote bonus, then you'd go and get it paid for as long as you played there. And there was guys that played like seven, eight years. And you're like, God, why does so-and-so play in San Diego for eight years? He's a great player. He can make it up to Grand Rapids. People are like, well, maybe, but you know, he's getting a little cake on the side here and that's the way it worked.
2: And Terry, I'm a prime example, right? So I I was, I played more of a role player. Uh, never been a real role player until I went to Maine. I was older, so I was the guy they would match up against Jari and Krog, and they wanted somebody could piss guys off, get them off their game. And oh, you could. So do I kind that. of fell in that, yeah. So I fell in that trap, and then, uh, but it was always for a good cause. We were winning, so what are you going to do? Complain about winning hockey games? No, yeah. right? So, so you get up to to pro, and you realize, holy shit, I can I can really, you know, because I I always measured. uh, I would have probably been a better Western hockey league player than a
1: hundred percent
2: NCAA. So back then I don't always tell kids go NCAA. There's reasons you got to really think about why you would play Western hockey league versus NCAA. It's not just about school. It's the the game you play as well. So I, I I looked in a junior and I was like, Oh, I mean pro. And I'm like, wow, this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm actually a pretty good pro player. Yep. Um, but I am also smart enough to know back then I was small, good enough to play every day in the American League or IHL for sure, not not big enough, strong enough, or elite enough as a small guy, probably didn't start early enough in my career to be an elite top six forward in the NHL. That's just that's just point blank. Nothing against my game. It's just, you know, you got to start that process really early in your career, like 16, 17, have that mentality, working out after
1: games, working out before games. Like – and you and you're dominating. I really mean this. I'm not saying it's yeah, Dwee. You yeah. were you could have been a good two on an, any league in the world, a two-way little pest that like size didn't matter to you. Some guys no. it really mattered, but it didn't no. really matter to you. You you you'd almost get people off their game. And as soon as you get into the scrum, you know, your stick had come up. You might give someone a little fucking side on spear. You're gonna you're gonna chirp at them. But you're also now you also might get a point on the power play if they go to the box. Now, if you would I often see it now, it happens. You see these young kids and they they're coming and, and they can score at that like junior A level or junior B. Yeah. yeah. You're you are you are going, you know what? This guy is going to be great two-A. Someone identify it. Tell him yeah. this. Like so he can work at it. And by the time he's 21, but it wasn't. You were still carrying teams. You went to the you went to the coast, East Coast, and you're a great scorer. Point, more than a point a game. Now, in the American League, I don't think you would have done that, but you would have been. Money, money, 30 points a year, two-way, block shot. But you got to get into that goddamn mentality, right? Someone's right, got to put you right, there.
2: Right. Hunter, you need a guy to kind of put you into that that mold. Uh, and you bring up a good point, which a lot of guys don't know in their career. It's like it's one thing to get to where you got to in Montreal that's a hard task. Like just to get there. You know, I got yeah. to go to NHL camp, and I think I was more enamored about, holy shit, I actually made it to camp. And that's the wrong mindset. The true NHL players are like, hey, like I'm not just happy being in an NHL camp. You know, I had my one-way offers with Providence and guys at the year in Boise. I had an offer but it was 26, 27 grand. I got to pay like you said, you got to pay for your place, you got to and to go be 11th, 10th, 11th, 12th forward, I was like, you know, I'm not 22. I'm 26, 27. I'm better off going to try and win a championship in Boise or go to Europe. And that's what I picked. You know, and it wasn't It wasn't me quitting on the system Uh, by any means. I'm not a quitter. It's just you got to also be faced with reality that, hey, look, it might jump from American League to NHL is going to be a tall task at this point, and, um, you you know, nobody's known it better than you, right? You've seen every every roadmap that there is on your way to the NHL and back down, right?
1: Exactly. Um, I'm I'm actually – I like – Looking back on it now, it was a unique path and I saw every league and, you know, there are parts that slide out and slide in and I find it fascinating because it's not always the best either. Like some guys, think about it. When you went to Fort McMurray that young, right, you're going to play junior, right? I remember in junior players on my team in Cornell that like later on going, man, like he could have played, but they, their girlfriend, or maybe they get into beers you know they like partying a little bit too much maybe they're just homesick maybe they're they're more into school maybe they don't want to play hockey maybe they turn 20 and go you know what this is a grind i don't want to be in the coast like we had fun down there some people wouldn't really have fun right so it's not always this you know you start out i also wish you know every kid could not have the blinders on you know you're sitting there at 13 year old in hockey school it's not always going to be the best of all this group. It's going to be the people that can evolve, that can adapt, and that just focus and are determined that stay with it. And what you need along that way as well, you can be as determined as you want, as you were, but you yeah. need someone to kind of tweak you and put you in a direction. My I went to Tri-Cities. I was a star in 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 minor, I mean Atlantic, Canada. I go to the Quebec Pee-wee tournament. I was also big and it, you know, I had all this. This focus on me. I went to Quinnell. I led my junior team in scoring at Bantam. At 14, both Bantam years, I lead Quinnell in scoring as a junior team. But no one had ever, Stewie, called me on my skating. It was all right, but I was a good centerman because I was playing in the lower leagues. When I got to the Western League, like I said, you need someone. Bob Lauchs called me in the office. I played my first year. Again, center. 33 points, 176 minutes. I was pretty good. But he said, look, I'm not trying to burst your bubble and I don't want you to be not confident or anything, but I don't know if you're just a flawless skater to play center and then be drafted this year into the NHL. But as a winger, I think you can feed Damon Lankow. I think you you're tough. You can help on the wall. You can get it out. You got a good center of gravity. And it was almost humbling. I had to swallow my pride, but I'm so glad he did because that's what I became then. And I was, that's what I was. I was a left winger. I could get out of my own end. I would set up guys like you. And of course, if I get it, I can snipe, but I'm not going to carry the mail every, and, and I, so I needed that tweak. And luckily it happened for me when I was 17 in my draft year. Some people, well, it happens when they're 24, right? And it's, well, it's too a, late it's
2: a catch 22. Cause I, 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 I know your game pretty well. I got to play with you. I think in today's game, like you could have benefited playing center or wing and that not taking away your skating ability as a center, but you're also a guy that it was always your first three strides, not your next six. Right. So, so, so from a center perspective, you're always constantly in motion, moving your feet, defensive, offensive. So I don't think by you not being a center, uh, you know, I don't, I, I think you could have played both very well. I just think, you had a system, a good centerman in Tri-Cities that you played really well with. If yeah. And you know, 90% of it is, is ice time and and really who you play with.
1: It really is. It, do ice it, time, it really, that's a big
2: one. Because it's a small window. I mean, I, I heard, uh, you know, it was funny. I listened to your podcast on the guy you had met in the airport and they were, you know, interviewing and you were just, you know, talking through your book. And why you wrote your book was you could have wrote Many stories about Montreal because that's you know a good feel-good story. But you said I want this to go out to a wide demographic of people to understand what all the different layers of of yeah. how complex this really is from all the leagues. And I thought that was that was a well mature process that mm-hmm. you did for everybody. Because you could have been just like, hey, listen, I'm gonna let my insecurity take over and only talk about Montreal, yeah. right? Because because <laughs> look at you went to the you were drafted by the wrong team for your game of style. Um and Time we all put it and we all listen, the kids today are just way more informed uh than we ever were back then. Are they ever we got so advisors, they got and but I'm not saying the creativity on the ice is better. I'm just saying they're programmed better, they're better at being mature earlier than we were. Yeah, right. And, you know, in today's game, you would have evolved and been still playing in the NHL. I just think, look, we were a little bit of sideways uh, jerks at times back then with, yeah. you know, let's get a laugh rather than let's All put right. our head down and make sure we're making it. Right? <laughs> it's that
1: simple. Uh, that it simple? really, uh, you know what, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of it, it, it's, it is pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you just it's a different culture, and you know, it's yeah. still humans. Different the same culture. humans are being spit out. Like <laughs> it's the same humans. Humans haven't changed. No, <laughs> you know? no, no. It's, it's just the the approach. the the approach. Yeah, it's like,
2: yeah, and like I was listening to your woke story on the Mill Street thing, and like I listen to your podcast. You're not only a buddy. I like. I miss. I miss the game, but I, you know, I miss the competitiveness of the game. That was really fun going to war with guys, like you yeah. know. You know, still to this day, it drives me crazy that we lost in game seven. Game fucking seven. You know, like. In Boise. At home. We were down two or three games uh, to nothing, right? Which was crazy. We lost the first two, but we deserved it. Remember, we're out after game one with Ryan Smith because he came down with his private jet. Like, we're out to three in the morning. What what are we doing? Right? You're not going to win game two uh, being out. Parading around Boise, Idaho, right? So oh uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What was that?
1: I can't remember the bar we, we were at.
2: Uh it was down at uh old Chicago.
1: or we probably down at the Dublin Up. Brett 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 Bert's bar, the Dublin Up.
2: Yeah. Remember they we got we got pawned off last year and most of the guys are married. And what was the what did they call it when the that was an auction? They were auctioning off players.
1: Yeah, it was, i was I forget what they called it. It was that's exactly what it was. You'd auction off these players and uh and then it was pretty much up to you you went to dinner with the fans and like whatever happened happened
2: yeah wives are looking at their husbands going what this 35 year old girl just bought you for an auction what's going on here yeah yeah where are we going what's the message we're sending here but uh no i mean i i wouldn't give up our, our our karaoke bar and listening to you sing beatles all night i wouldn't give up those memories for anything right like even to start, somebody would told me, "Hey, you can make a million bucks at twenty six, starting and getting away from your hockey career." I don't have those stories. Like today, I have great people I work with every day. But do you think we share any crazy stories? No, it's all real world,
1: right? It really is a camaraderie, Stu. Can you imagine yeah. doing that as a tennis player or something? You might, you must want to rip your fucking hair out. Part of it to me was all like you just said, you know. I mean it's a age old story people that retire go well you know the camaraderie but there there really was like there was there was a level of tongue in cheek like what the fuck are we doing like let's have a bit of fun to it and the cities we were visiting and we got to do it together and you know wheeling around anywhere phoenix or long beach or bakersfield right There's fucking with your buddies going to different restaurants i, I can't so all of that personal pressure for, for me or for any hockey player I found it much easier to absorb when you're with a team. Like can you imagine? Did you play any single spike? I can't imagine like being a figure skater. I know I know it's part of a team drill and everything, but it's largely on you. A tennis player, you know, whatever I can go down the line. Badminton, there's all kinds of singles. I
2: would, I wouldn't have been good at like I like golf, but still, singles is like you know, at least at least if you're a jerk, sometimes you go, hey, that wasn't my fault. That guy gave up the fuck, you
1: know, like and you can laugh team, about
2: it. Yeah, team right? game. Yeah, team, I, there's just something cool, and that's probably why a lot of guys venture off and to be firemen or police guys, or yeah, you know, you're used to that, and it's a part of it. And I think that's why a lot of guys, when they're done and retired have such a hard time with hockey being over because I don't care what anybody says in most cases the NHL or the NHLPA or the PHPA they're not really there for you right this is a you know I I just heard like there's always somebody offing themselves and and running through a hard time and that's that's because really Nobody really, really, truly prepares you for when hockey's over, and then you wake up one day and you're like, "Wow, like you went through it
1: I, for you, sure, Stu. I went earlier than gained, I wanted what, to. 80.
2: You went, you gained like what, seventy pounds, and like you're a fitness guy now. You well, cared. the
1: first the first year out, it's, it, 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 I was so subconsciously, I'll say, I was subconsciously depressed. I came home here, I ate, I drank, and again, I didn't really want to retire. I, I even. I didn't need to play in the NHL. I mean, that was a little disappointing the way I handled all that and the way it was, but but it still wasn't the be-all and end-all. I wanted to keep playing. Like I would have stayed in Boise. I would have gone to Europe. I would have loved to see Europe for free for at least five yeah, years. Yeah, that's
2: one I would say. Looking at your career, it's the yeah. one thing you should have just hightailed after that. Yeah, I called you a few times, right? You did. I was like, I was like you got to get over to Europe. I remember
1: uh, you distinctly calling. And if there's anything, that that's why I was upset. So when I went home, A, going through a divorce, but I kind of knew that was going to happen and all the best to Jennifer. What were we doing being married in the first place? But, um,
2: what are you doing married in the first place? Yeah.
1: What am I doing married? (laughs) Uh, You know, exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) It just doesn't work. And I, yeah,
2: buddy, buddy, you're, you're, you're running and nobody's running after you, but that's the way you, you, you live life. You're, you're a runner. You go, you gotta be on the move. Yeah, And unless you have somebody that understands that process that you need to be on the move, then they truly can't be a part of you right you so, know
1: what this is unreal this is like free therapy on the side uh, so, so no you're right <laughs> so listen a lot, everybody loves this story and they want to um i don't want to tell the whole story again but you know how many times i get called people are like no nah, you didn't you didn't really knock your teeth out with a hammer no, you know did really-
2: you hear my podcast i had to tell the guy i haven't I-
1: heard it yet you just sent it to me so three of my okay. buddies i don't know whose podcast you went on, but three, tell, tell, whoever the host was my three of my buddies texted me and said, Bobby Stewart's on talking about when you lost your teeth. So uh, he, he must have a decent audience. There were three. Well,
2: and you know, what's crazy is, is our stories. The best part of our story is that we have multiple variations of it. So the same ending, but but we you know we you know we got to embellish certain parts of it, and I still at this date after twenty some years I can't remember what's really accurate or not. I hear your <laughs> variation. I'm like, well, maybe that did happen. And I can't, I don't remember <laughs> it that way. But I remember the ice part clearly because there's no, dis- you know, yeah, you know, me and you being out in the ice thirty five minutes pretending we're shooting pucks and getting re- prepared for the night. We know that part is bullshit, right? So, um, but yeah, <laughs> I, like, my buddy was Brent Radlinski during COVID he was a goaltender in the Alberta junior hockey league and he's a good talker and he's a big avid baseball fan. So he started a baseball one um, talking about baseball. And then obviously on the goaltending side, and he's called, I think it's something tender. He, he, he realized, Holy smokes, I can make a living. His wife or girlfriend is in a radio side of things. And he's making a living doing two to three podcasts now. And and your name came up. He loves hearing your podcast. That's the best thing about podcasters. Is look at you would say, Hey, I love listening to Joe Rogan, or I love listening to Spitting Chick, yeah. I listen, so a, lot. I listen not, to a lot. I'm not I'm not making alcohol because Pink Whitney did it. I'm doing it because I've always thought about these things, but you know, now it's more open because there's communication, and I think podcasters. The non-egotistical ones love listening to other guys to see, hey, like,
1: because it is really just a, it's a group chat. It's a, it's fun a group, group chat. chat. It's and it's very much, it's still kind of being carved out. It's a little bit of the wild west. If, if you're on the radio, you 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 even no matter how loose the station is, there's still conventions that you have to follow. Um, you you kind of have to always be on with no slip up, right? No, you just heard a second ago, Penny Lane walked in from school. She shut the door and went in her room. I didn't really notice. The people that hear this podcast, they don't really care. They don't care if I, you know, say the word fuck. Like, you know, it just, there's so much. And that's just a rating system. But, you know, I, I can open up and talk about whatever. Sometimes I talk about music for a half an hour and people are still here listening. I find it really freeing. And it also, like yourself, it, it keeps me in touch with buddies. My audience, Dewey. They're just as interested in hearing you as they are Austin Matthews. They just want to hear the conversation. And it's almost better for two people that played and can kind of vibe off each other than it would be if I interviewed someone I don't know. And you're kind of when you're creating the path yourself, you know, I don't answer to anybody. Then it can be liberating.
2: Well, what's liberating is like you playing on a team. And even though maybe you, there's not 20 guys you want to hang out with, there's always guys you're drawn to character-wise. Mm. And usually that character is fulfilling. You're like, hey, I, I love hanging out with this guy. So when you go to podcasts now, like I'm like, hey, I want to listen to T-Bone because at the end of the day, I I, I loved hearing sh- us just talk freely back in the day. And that's why I was always worried about you on, on stand-up because – whether you could kill it or not kill it. I was like, I remember the first time I went to see you in Toronto. I was like, oh fuck, how is this gonna go? Because uh, you weren't used to having to be on a stage. It was just organic, which the podcast I think fits. I'm not saying you were a bad
1: No, I know bad. exactly. I'd rather, Stewie, I'd rather this situation having to go on stage and plan something. You know, that's not me. So not that you don't script part of these things and edit, and there's a process
2: yeah. with being on a podcast and being professional. I was just like and you did pretty good for the first time out. I forgot I you, you, did, you saw me do the stand up. Yeah. you yeah. came and sat down with me and remember like you know a yeah. hard knock guy you said well, how did I do and I'm like well you, you did pretty good but not great. But, probably, I'm just telling a but story. But how, right? so, how are you supposed to do great at stand up until you do, most of those guys have failed and trial yeah. and error for years. It's something you got to stick with almost for 10
1: years. You got to You know what it, it turned into story because if there was hockey fans they'd be amused. So Dale Howard, Chuck, God rest the soul. He grabbed me and he's, I ended up, so I public speak, right? I got one on Sunday, going up to Labrador with the Habs alumni. I'm going to do a public speech because the now I'm talking to a group of young hockey players. So now I'm not panicked every 10 seconds to make people laugh, right? Because there is, the story goes on, but there's often two, three minutes with no laughter in the middle of my, one of my stories, you got to be paying attention. And if you're in a comedy club and you know, it's hard to because if two minutes go by and I don't know, they might be serving food. There might be the clanging of the drinks. There might be people drunk over in the corner and talking. And if you can't really pay attention to my, then I'm kind of fucked. So, but public speaking, banquets, things like that. The NFL playoff picture is locked in. And our go
0: to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. All you have to do is place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, don't sweat it. You'll get a free bet backup up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly. Again, that's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: Okay, we are back, um, Stewie. Stewie. So before we move on, I just got a few rapid fire randoms. I got to take my daughter to soccer again. That 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 was forty minutes, man. That flew. Um, yeah. But listen, just to refresh my memory, the last part of that story is correct, right? I went on the ice, and I didn't I throw out the the teeth. I, I I I I knocked them out the night before. When we went to the rink, we went early. Yeah. I I threw them out, and we said that I lost them basically. That you you either hit me in the head with the puck or I slipped trying to get out of the way or something.
2: Yeah. I missed you with a slap shot. You threw your teeth all over the place. You started cutting, reopening all your rooms in the corner and then started swearing at me. Like I, I, yeah. I ended your hockey career and you went running in through the dressing room past the trainer and you asked what happened. You're just like, just fucking shut up and get in here. I, my teeth are all gone. And
1: sledgehammer sledgehammer yeah. Yeah. to the face. And I remember not even think you were the one the night before. You were like, "How the fuck are you going to say you did this at the rink?" And it was so mangled. People don't people think I just like knocked out my teeth. I did, but there's no way to hit them. And they were they were short as it was. They were only half teeth. So, Buddy, you were you were hit. With my
2: problem shield. with it, you were hitting nerves. You weren't hitting teeth anymore.
1: Yeah, it was Stu. <laughs> so you know how painful that all was. I mean, it was. I bet. Yeah, I could-, I could see it. Could it see was it. funny at the time, and then of course, jokes on me because well. This one here. So one of them ended up coming out permanently just a few years later. And I just it was a senior hockey game and they really just got pressed against and it was so weak it fell out. But it did create. Honestly, I was going to get it fixed. I went in to get it um, working on a film set. Right. Finally, when I got in the union, I'm like, okay, now I'll go get them fixed for free. And I started to get roles because of having no tooth. Like, you know, Funny, was, if
2: you would have, if you would have taken me to Herman's Hermits before that event, I would have really hit you with the puck. In the
1: face. <laughs> Where so, what's the name? So, I took you to a Herman's Hermits concert. I often talk old music with the, with my audience here, but there's a band called Herman's Hermits and they were real big in the late 60s, but they were like a, a real poppy, you know, the, the, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, they're timeless. The Eagles, right? You can listen to them at any point and it kind of fits yeah. in. But Herman's Hermits were really specifically like, you know, it almost sounds 50s and it came out in the 60s, but it it sounds old. And anyway, they were playing. There was a Nevada has gambling and Idaho didn't, at least not then. So we would drive down once in a while. There was a casino town. Was it called Jackpot or Casino? It was called Jackpot. It was called Jackpot. It was just over the border. It was an excuse to have. A basically a casino, and so a lot of people from Idaho would drive over the border so we could legally gamble. But there would there would be concerts. So I remember I really convinced you and I think Dion Darling to to go down and watch Herman's Hermits, and you were here, you were none too impressed, and I loved it. It
2: was like it was like uh, Herman's Hermits and uh, Twenty Naked Girls. That that's that's what that weekend ended up to be.
1: That's what that weekend ended up being. What a wild, (laughs) weird time. Hey.
2: I thought I thought, you know, maybe we are in Area 51. It was a weird uh two days there.
1: It was. It was walking around in casinos and I w- there didn't seem to be a big party, but we latched into it. Yeah, we certainly latched into it. And I forget there was a there was a main bar, I forget the name of it. And a guy came down with uh the guy who ran it. Fuck. Yeah. Do you remember that main? Yeah, and
2: he was tied he was tied to Bard Hall too, right? They knew each other. Yeah. And I think and the-
1: they brought their staffs down. That's where the girls yeah. came from.
2: Yeah, it was staff. It was like a staff party meets Herman's Hermits. It was. Uh, it, was it was. I nice. don't think I can top that.
1: It was like oh, being yeah. in a
2: Star Wars bar getting lucky.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were serving dinner. I remember the- <laughs> Herman's Hermits were big at one point, but remember they they were serving like potatoes and and like turkey dinners during the performance. It was almost like you might as well have had background music on. No one was even paying attention. And I, I knew the songs. I remember going up and talking to one of the dudes. Um it was funny, funny. It
2: was there was three main and we won't elaborate in our stories, but there was the Tijuana Tijuana Day, the Long Beach Escape. And the, yeah. uh you know, there was a few uh fun times in the Tijuana
1: uh, that Tijuana was a week. That was one night in a week. <laughs> But people yeah, don't realize good. either, like San Diego, so when we would play San Diego and how much fun it was, San Diego is right on the border, right over the border is Tijuana. It takes like yeah. 20 minutes, right? You just yeah. have to ride a bike to the border and go over.
2: Remember the and, big flag? Because it's your first time, right? You're like, holy shit, you're going from beautiful San Diego to this this big Mexican flag that's like, what, 500 feet up in the air.
1: And as, soon, yeah, yeah. as soon as you get over there and just sit down at a restaurant or, or it doesn't even really... It happens before that, but just everybody's at you offering you everything from drugs to cheaper beers to food <laughs> to, to sporting events, cockfight, cockfight. I was like, man, I expected right. people to maybe offer us drugs or whatever going over the border, but a cockfight. I'm like, where in the fuck are we now? You know? <laughs> yeah,
2: but it was one of those places when guys go to me, let's go to Taiwan. I was like, no, man, I've been there, done that. Right? Yeah, I after know. It, I'll never go Tijuana, it's Like you spent, like you said, seven days already there. You can get out of there and not do it again.
1: Yeah. Well, we got guns too, and then just made some bad decisions, followed the wrong people, but it's a, <laughs> it's a story it's out of there anyway. Um, oh yeah. It's a story. Now San Diego, that is a unique animal. That's one of the best. I never played for San Diego, but I mean, do they still have that setup in that rink? You know, yeah, they do well,
2: then they're in the yeah, they're in the American league
1: now, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I always wondered that at the time, and they didn't have a team for a while, but what yeah. a spot to play hockey. Now, there's an example. If I had landed there in the minors, I tell you, man, it would take a lot to get me out of there. You would have to pay me a lot more money. Like people, you know what I mean? They go to Flint and shit from there, or you know, anywhere in the northern I mean my first year in the two, three years in the American League. We're Fredericton, New Brunswick. I don't mind Fredericton at all. It's a nice spot. It's a great little Atlantic Canadian little town, university town. I have a lot of fun there. But when San Diego is on the menu, right? Same league, and even Boise. Boise was such a great spot. What?
2: Was- I, I could live. I could live in Boise. Like if you know, when I was moving yeah. to the U.S., I look at Boise. Frisco is it is unbelievable. So when we finally do, you know, eventually full time move here, it's it's. It's an amazing place. Like Universal Studios is now being popped up here in Frisco. Really? PJ's, I didn't know that. Yeah. PGA headquarters is now just here now, five minutes down the road. You've got Toyota's new, uh, you got Keurig, Dr. Pepper. Uh, it's it's like the expansion place to be, right? I called Texas when guys ask me, I'm not here. I love that I'm Canadian. I love that I, you know. I'm not going to agree with Canadians went through for two years. I'm not getting into the politics of a shot or not shot. That's everybody's own business. And that's why I like Texas because really Texas is in the U S Texas is the seventh, biggest GDP. If it was his own country, it'd be the sixth or seventh in the world.
1: Stewie. As of a few years ago, it had the most ho- pro hockey teams on the planet. Right. I yeah. I not believe when is, I heard that
2: it is pro business. It is. Mind your own business, right? And just yeah.
1: and the weather's it's all
2: It's it's family related. Like you know, we've only been here a, a few months, but uh, in my time here, it's like being in Fort McMurray, the area I'm in. It's like people are coming over, knocking on, playing with your kids. Like my kids went through eighteen months and no rink, no facilities, no playing in Toronto. God, it nice. it was it was, and like I I I, I dance on. You know, people's feelings and wear other people's shoes, but it was borderline communist on how aggressive um, uh, yeah, the, the province of Ontario was.
1: We yeah. couldn't golf. I couldn't believe when I heard that. There was only one place, yes. the last part of it, there was only one place on the planet that you couldn't golf. I'm like, golf? Golf? Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't we be <laughs> encouraging golf or be outside, right? It's just, that's what I mean. It's outside. Yeah, like, it's like, what are we, I, yeah, the whole, I just look from it, a. It, it, yeah, I'm just glad
2: it's all behind us, right? For Canadians, it, everybody. If they try to re-entry that shit, I hope all Canadians. I hope the truckers go marching down again.
1: So I think it's a learning process. Yeah, I think I think when it, I really, really yeah. do believe when it started, I don't think anybody knew what was happening. I, I don't. I don't think it got started with this three evil minds in a lab going. No, ah, I agree.
2: Yeah, but yeah.
1: but people drop the ball along the way, and it's if it's a learning process, then now we know, right? We also know. Yeah. I mean, on the other side, I don't mean to laugh because there's a there's a mental health part of it, man. And like guys like you and I, why did we love hockey? We just talked about the camaraderie. We're, we're so yeah. that was tough. It was tough. It was yeah. tough to look at a kid, you know, and you got your Zoom meeting again. I mean, it almost you know, w- without getting into the nuts and bolts of it, and I won't, but that part was a little bit depressing, and I'm glad that you found not only some solace out of this, you got to You've got a new residence. And by the way, before I go further, why Niagara Falls? You're back oh, and forth. You said Niagara Falls.
2: Yeah, my parents are there. So we just, uh, you know, we settled there and here until we figured out. So they're out.
1: not in Fort Mac anymore?
2: No, they moved. My parents moved out there in 2005, thousand They've see. been out there ever since, yeah.
1: I didn't realize that. I knew that when you yeah. said they were in Ontario and when I was up yeah. there, I, th- I thought you meant that they were visiting.
2: No. So I'm like, if you're ever in Niagara Falls, you need a free place to stay, hit them up there
1: when you were uh yeah I'm, I'm actually i will be i'm all over the place but I, I will be there um it's funny too i go to toronto all the time and i didn't really realize where you live but I, I i often stay real close to the to the place you used to have there i eat at that tim hortons all the time i ate there four days ago it's wild how yes. it comes full circle i didn't well richmond where i do now i ended up doing a little bit more stand-up and you know i, I still once in a while go to remember what it's like up there and get better. There, are, there are ways to get better, right? You yeah. record, you record every, every um, show, and then you you listen to kind of what people because, like you said, for me, it's a story. So I have to figure out how to litter it with laughs during. So I will go on once in a while, and the place. That I go, even I go to watch. The other night, I go to that yuck yucks, and there's a place called Comedy Corner right behind it.
2: Yeah, yeah, right behind room. it. Yeah, 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 Toronto's, yeah. Toronto's an amazing city.
1: It's amazing. See that
2: it went through. It's it's a better city when uh, you're single, or yeah. you know, uh, you know, when you start having kids, you start looking at things differently, right? So
1: it's but, almost. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, but Toronto, no, Toronto in itself—it's like for a guy like you in the industry you're in, it's a great platform from a Canadian standpoint. Right? It really
1: is, Stewie. I yeah. got, I got, yeah. you know, my affiliation with hockey, so I get the odd appearance or 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 a radio sh- appearance or whatever it might be. You know, these appearances, but I mean, they're mostly golf tournaments, uh, public speeches. Um, you know, go and maybe judge some competition or whatever it is, you're on the alumni list. That's that's ground zero for hockey players, right? So that I then I got my film stuff, right? My my agency, Ambition Talent. They're right downtown on Young Street. My book, right? ECW, that's uh on King Street East. There's there's a lot going on there. And like you said, yeah, now I'm single and it's not 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 that, you know, Penny Lane is I'm back here in Newfoundland living. She, I'm, I'm raising her. Her mom lives out west. She's twelve. But She's not two, right? Like, right. I can go sometime I'm taking her to Montreal this weekend. Some she came yeah. to Toronto with me in September. Yeah, time I'll go for a week. That's old hat for her. And you
2: got, you have your parents too. You have yeah, my parents, parents, right? Yeah. 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 If I
1: want to go up, yeah. I want to stay a day. I want to go to a yeah. Leafs game. Hey, why not? So there's a different right. vibe uh, being single and, and without so much responsibility as well. And the opportunity for me. I mean, I'm going back shortly. I mean, fingers crossed. I'm led to believe there will be a season two real soon, of uh, Shorzy. So we'll, well, there,
2: we'll be, be, there better be because I watched the first season. So there's not enough episodes. That's my problem. It, well, hopefully
1: there will be. Well, I really. It's I doing, think I,
2: eight. I think eight to ten is the magic number because then you don't do too much. You keep people coming back, but I six hope, isn't enough, right? And it's I, way I better. Hope you're than, right. I wasn't. I'm not a letter like a lot of my US buddies are letter Kenny fa- fans. Yeah, I never was. Right. I maybe watched one when you had a. Uh, I know what you mean. Cameo in it or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Uh, but I like Shorezy because I can identify with it. And I think people outside of hockey who are just sports love yeah. it. It's more of a familiarity for, like, I have guys that I work with at Walmart who are ex Arkansas football guys. They'll watch it. And, like, people love the Canadian part because they hear me talk and they're like, I don't understand your broken language. And then when <laughs> they hear a little bit of a Newfoundland accent, I'm like, they're like, well, like, that guy, we're like, they don't get it because they've never been through Canada. understand there's like different dialects, just like there would be going to China or U.S. Yeah, I know or, P- people down right? there go, this is
1: the way Canadians talk, right? And it's <laughs> yeah, like, no. yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I got, I mean, I, 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 we could talk about it, but I got so lucky. I mean, that was part of the process when I went up there and you were there. I mean, I was just getting into the acting. I, I didn't really, and thank you again. Um, but I, I didn't really see that coming. I, I I knew I I'd, I'd be loosely involved in the industry more crew than anything. That's what it is. I w- I would just do crew and the odd time there'd be a stunt needed or whatever and having the no-tooth, you know, someone that's beat up or or a boxer down on his luck or a crackhead or a dope dealer. Really I was a hockey player a couple times, but anyway, things cuz it really is a lot of time acting is about a look, especially the little I was I was having one line here or there doing some background. So I was in the industry but The way it all went down, you know, it's just getting like getting hit with a bolt of lightning. I do
2: do have to ask you a question, though, buddy. So you stayed at my place for two months. You didn't leave it too messy. Just a few. It looked like maybe a few things, Coca-Colas and things hanging around. So it was easy. But my (laughs) wife to this day has always asked me, she picked you up. And remember, she loaded the vehicle with some of your stuff and you were going to an address. And she said you had her drop you off in some like remote alley where it just seemed like you're going through an alley like Spider-Man. She always wondered, did I drop him off somewhere or was he still trying to figure out where he was going to go next?
1: You're not going to believe this. I can't believe how intuitive she was. Stu, yeah. I swear to you now, I'm not, I know that you're a nice guy. I had Tran Sam with there. I had David Ling. I don't know why I didn't reach out to people more, but I didn't want to milk you for everything and i had a a a possibility of something soon so i she dropped me close to my friend shannon's place she worked in the movie industry with me she had a small spot and i put some stuff in there and you know what i did so i was getting the odd day on crew but i didn't really know when i'd work so you would call in in the morning and leave your like qualifications like i have a permit so I, i had information dial it in hang up the phone if it rings within a half hour It'll just say, okay, I need you on Star Trek, go to Scarborough right now. Or we need you on Shits Creek, go to the um studios on the about down by the beaches or whatever. Like and so yeah. it would be these. So I didn't really know. And I I just left home and you know, Danielle, even though we were getting divorced, needed me. Tyson was there. I mean, Penny Lane needed me to still, you know, they needed me to provide some money. So honestly, I would put on my Headphones and just listen to podcasts and stuff, and walk around Union Station. I'd walk around, but Union Station ended up being because it's warm in there and there's other homeless people. But I, I, I don't, I don't want to ever make that sound like I was homeless because I always said like there's people in there that really don't have anything. And yeah, you know, I, I, I talked to some people, man, that their family died or you know they they're lonely. They came over here on their own and they didn't get their fucking passport on time or whatever another. You know, there was people down there that were down and out, and I don't want to make it seem, but I was as down and out as I've ever been. Now, of course, Jerry D., Dale Howardchuck, and eventually Jason Momoa. I went home and I got on Frontier right away when I told Momoa this song or this story. So I ended up working my way out, but that's why. Fuck is she intuitive. Yeah, she was dropping me to a place, and I said it was an address, but I didn't really live there, Now,
2: Well, you know what's funny? Back then, I was like nah t-bone knows so many people I yeah. doubt it she's like are
1: you sure and then you're both right I just didn't uh, reach out to anybody
2: yeah I was like yeah. because then I felt bad and then i you know what happens is you just forget about it
1: right and you're you like, didn't well, you had nothing didn't to sprint. feel bad for you're the one that gave me that like as it is as it is I had something like kind of figured out I knew that in, in in a few weeks, like I said, my friend Shannon was there, and I did end up, I, I went in with her for a couple weeks, and I found a spot in Parkdale. It was rough. It was rough, but I, no, I, I, did, it, I did find a place. What
2: listeners don't realize, too, was spur-of-the-moment decision for you to go to Toronto. So it wasn't like you had three months to prepare, find a place, and it's yeah, not easy. No. Yeah, so like...
1: I had no, no planning whatsoever. Jerry no, D asked yeah. me to go up. You saw that stand-up. Yeah. He just asked me to go up. And when I asked, we were going to write a hockey show. That's what it was. And it was money. I left here like it wasn't like I was lashing out after getting divorced. I I needed some opportunity and that was it. Now, when I got there, he told me that it it would be doing stand-up. I didn't know that. I thought it would be working for him. So, yeah, he called me that one day, remember, and said, you're going on Yuck Yucks tomorrow is the way I remember it. And um, I went down and and did my thing. But like I said, if it wasn't for Dale, Dale Howard Chuck, See, that's what happens, Stewie, and I didn't even know him. But at the end of that rain um I like I said, I was walking around Union Station, I was doing that catching Z's here or there for like three weeks. And then Dale Howard Chuck, but I'd have to go down he wanted me to practice, so I was going down to the comedy barn and yuck yucks, and I was only getting paid fifty or a hundred bucks. I couldn't live on that in Toronto, I couldn't get fucking breakfast with that. So you can't Howard live Chuck in Toronto. Found out hundreds, about it. You
2: can't you can't live in Toronto.
1: No, you can't even you close. Be, but,
2: 100 You need to make worst case just to get by a hundred and 150 yeah. grand.
1: Buy just to get by, there's no way to do it yeah. otherwise.
2: Yeah. yeah. So
1: he, he was nice enough that that's what changed it around. He had me out. I spoke at his golf tournament for $5,000 and I did. Nice. Yeah. He gave me, he said, we got this tournament all weekend. If you can get on and just, you know, bring some sense of humor to the banquet part of it. And it was great because they were all legends and I, I know they're legends, but I, I'm not nervous talking Buddy, to I'm hockey gonna, players. I'm going to
2: tell you a quick story about Dale Howardchuck. So I when I got into the business I'm in, I was selling Canadian Tire. Yeah. So Canadian Tire had this avid every summer hockey tournament. It was a CTC tournament. And we won it, I think, two or three years in a row. i boys put together guys coming back from the American League or yeah. Europe. And, guys like, what? and we played Dale Howardchuck. He was a sponsor for some group to play. And So he would have been 40s at that time, yeah. right? <clears throat> that good. guy, you know, and he's top 15, I think, all the time in NHL scoring,
1: right? And way so, underrated. Because of the time well, he came well, out, he's he way, way underrated. He was
2: way underrated as a coach, too. Yeah. Like, he he was a guy that could have easily been walking in the NHL today and make an impact like a Steve. And not just his, his
1: coaching ability. Like yeah. you said, he's his, his people person, his skills. people
2: skills. It's why people always go, why is Jimmy Montgomery so good at what he does? Right.
1: Yeah. I want to go Bruce, to the war for him.
2: Yeah. Well, I played for Bruce Cassidy and like, I told the story in my last podcast, like, uh, I wasn't shitting on Bruce, but he just had terrible social skills, right? Like Marty McSorley at the end of his Brashear moment ended up in Grand Rapids as I was going. I had this yeah. co- coffee talk with him on Manhattan Beach one time about Cassidy. He's like, the guy didn't even pull his chair around when I came in. So imagine like Marty's McSorley. You're 10 years younger or younger than this guy as a coach, and you're like, you'd be, I'd be excited to see this guy welcoming him the locker room. Yeah. Like Jimmy Montgomery would have embraced that and made it. And you can just tell the energy that the Bruins are playing with. And I, I, I think all of us make mistakes. And one of the things I, I, I watched Jimmy uh, last night on his podcast was empathy. The one thing he learned from his Dallas situation was, you know, empathy. And, you know, Fucking we've had coaches. You, he, listen, Terry Ryan doesn't need to know he turned the puck over 15 times after he did it. Right? Yeah. To, And I think that's, that's the mistakes. A lot of these coaches make is 90% of the kids know when they made a mistake, they don't need to hear it 50 freaking times. They just need right. So I think one of the things I learned, you know, as I'm helping um, with hockey today and kids and trying to help them steer them right path is like, that was the biggest word I I took from it was empathy. And I think like if Terry Ryan would have had a Jimmy Montgomery or a, you know, there's a lot of... there's a Well, lot my history.
1: best coach ended up being George Gortzos with the ball hockey. He, he did do yeah. that. Well, yeah, he got I me heard under ball story, hockey How
2: about you shouldn't have made the first year, right? Yeah. You were crying during the game because yeah. you're like, I shouldn't fucking be here. And he was thinking long-term going, no, I need you to understand what you need to be here to help us get to the net, to win the second one and the third one, right? You're exactly,
1: exactly right. And then and it I saw Then special. I saw it. I was like, okay, there's yeah. a method to his madness. He yeah. wants, like, I was almost, well, I was crying during the game because we were winning, but it, it, I, it wasn't just the winning in the world championship. It was that I, it, it was hitting home to me that this guy had confidence in me. I looked around, I'm like, I don't deserve to be here, but, but he's got me because for next time, what do you mean next time? What do you mean? Yeah. And we just, we just won our last one. And we, I'm not going to, but, anymore. but I'm Terry, here.
2: that's in, a, that's in, a, that's a CEO, right? Yeah. That's a guy who looks at it as a business and has a plan outside of just yeah. the moment. He thinks and about- I'm only
1: used to the moment, even though I had some yeah. good coaches and everything. Now, yeah. Yeah. I did, but I never had anybody that really, really got inside and said, like, look, this, I know what... And, and I remember him saying, he goes, I know why you're misunderstood. You're a renegade, but you're not a bad person. You're a renegade. You need your space and, you know, you're an ego in the room, but not a bad one. It's just... You get this rep because you're wild, you know. You're wild, and he goes, "It's I have confidence in you," and boy, did that ever hit home. That weight that we talked about, I shed that quicker than I, I shed it in less than three months, man. I went down to 195, where where I still am today, and it, it you know, so much sports accomplishments and friendships made after that, all due to George Gortzos. So I mean,
2: buddy, some of the best toys are the broken toys, right?
1: that's yeah, another great quote listen to you today right. and by the way buddy, thanks I'm, for following along and listen to my podcast some of that stuff buddy, was- i
2: i i pay attention like i listen to joe rogan here there's only a few guys i listen to and a lot of my buddies say i listen to terry ryan i never would even thought of it right until they heard a story they're like well you guys know each other because guys aren't at the point in their life where they're filtering through hockey db or hockey elite right <laughs> i mean there's some beauties that came from your like your area like jason i remember playing in the uh, the, the winter games uh, we played Jason McDonald and Linger, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And, two di- great and
2: Jamie, Jamie was playing with me. Uh, Jamie like, Ling, uh, yeah. Yes, Linger was w- on my team in Notre Dame. So, like, I had Linger fall. We ended up having a bench brawl against with McDonald and Linger started in Charlottetown in the Winter Games. But we better hurry up and get through these questions because your daughter has
1: soccer soon too, right? You're unbelievable. Now, this this is what we're going to do. I'm going to have you back. So we got to go out the door. She's got to be there in 25 minutes. So listen, I'm going to cut this now. We're going to have you back. I wanted to go through your career a little bit and our our relationship, but I'd like you to come back on like Ken Reed or Trans Sam with maybe once in a while. We'll uh, we'll do part two of this and maybe get your take on the game today because I didn't get in to your affiliation with your junior team, um, with your specific places outside of Boise. I mean, we could be here five hours. You're one of my best friends. I want you to know it. You're one of the best friends, best teammates I've ever had. And what you did for me in Toronto, I'll never forget. And it really led in a small way. There was a lot of things that had to happen. And that was one of the things for me to be where I am today. So I appreciate it. Well, buddy,
2: you should have had a long career in the NHL. And, uh, you know, if anything, what you can do on your podcast is teach listeners about things that you made mistakes. And one of the biggest things is a reflection of not always blaming other people was a big thing, right? and you're right um, and you also last thing before i go buddy you're always fun and you you, you got me into music right boise i thought it was a music guy going to a record store every day because oh, okay. you taught me about music i, really I remember
1: didn't. that yeah i remember I, I was, I was uh,
2: hockey. i was just a hockey nerd sitting in my house right until i learned some of these things but buddy appreciate the time on your podcast and and i can't wait till uh shorzy's greenlit
1: Again. Thank you, my friend. You'll know. And I'd like to get you on sooner than later. I'm talking. Uh, All right, buddy. No, I'm talking maybe in, with you. in two or three weeks. Thank we'll you, Stewie. Thanks,
2: Love buddy. you, buddy.
1: Love you to death. Thank you very much for coming on and talk soon.
2: Okay, bye.
1: Bye. Yeah. Okay, folks, that's been 137B. I got to take off. Penny Lane has Caps game. Penny Lane, do you want to say hi to the listeners? Yeah, come on out. Give them, give them an update you got back how was your Christmas it was pretty good where I was in Alberta Calgary yeah and now you you got the year started you're going back you're, you got your provincial team game today they got uh NLSA it's called and then they have a oh today's white caps explain to people what that is um they pick 24 people um for under 13 white caps out of the province oh I see I see and you're one of those people Okay. Well, listen, we had to take off. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you're going out for a drink on George street this weekend, why not go to Rob Roy Confusion, go to Trinity pub, go to TJ's pub, green sleeves pub, or the bull and barrel. If you're going to go for, and martini bar, martini bar. I always forget to say that and, uh, add that to the list. Great bar, great people. Pete Quinton. Love you, my friend. Um, uh, if I'm gonna go for a bite to eat, I go to Merchant Tavern. I go to Blow on Water, or I go to Wedgwood Cafe first. Of course, support local. Get out there, support local. Just like if you got to go to Mr. Lube, if you need a lube job or you need tires or whatever the hell they do there. There's locations on Torbay Road and Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Chris Sparks, good buddy, good athlete. Support Chris and uh, check out Mr. Lube here in St. John's. Pitbull pain relief pitbullpainrelief.com incredible product and of course power conditioning on Ropewalk lane I highly recommend it for the strength and balance for the body and mind head to power conditioning true hockey take what's yours folks thanks for tuning in I'll be back in just a few days with another entertaining episode hopefully catch you on the rebound